Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And it's time to catch up with one of our faves because it's time to talk netball and uh, that's uh, when we always uh, like to bring in Storm Purvis, of course, uh, former Silver Ferns defender, doing some uh, great work on uh, Sky as well. Uh, Storm, good morning to you. Round 10 of the ANZ Premiership passes uh, off this Saturday. Mystics and the Pulse uh, at the, the top on 27 points each. Did you see that at this stage of the season? Good morning, Smithy. I cannot believe we're heading into round 10. I still feel like the competition's only just getting going and I'm waiting for some teams to really hit their strides and I guess we can't say that anymore. So, um, yeah, I knew the Mystics would be up there, absolutely. I knew the Pulse would be there or thereabouts. But I think pre-season I was picking a Mystics Tactics final and Tactics are obviously sitting down in fourth at the moment. So I'm a, I'm a little bit off. <laughs> well, they had a poor weekend last weekend, didn't they? I mean, they were comprehensively beaten by the Mystics, 74-50. And in second part of their double header, 54-45, they went down to the pole. So it was a poor weekend. Yeah, really, really disappointing uh, weekend for the Tactics and what should have been quite a big one for them. And I'm sure it was one they were targeting to at least get one win uh, between those two games. But unfortunately, not having Jane Watson, she's been a captain of the Tactics in the past. And, you know, everyone in netball knows the name Jane Watson and, and how influential she can be for a side. Is she worth 24 goals? You know, that's what they lost to the Mystics by. I'm not so sure, but even just having her leadership on the court and her sort of I don't know, her um, mongrel and, and what she demands from the rest of her team, I'm not sure that that loss would have been quite so large. And that's going to do, I mean, it has done um, huge damage to their goal differential. And with the competition being so tight, um, they're, they're going to be gutted that they came away, with the week, uh, came away from the weekend the way they did. I was a little bit disappointed in them. I was down there working for Sky for that Mystics game. And they just, they just looked down and out pretty early on um, and I just think they need to figure out a way, well it is a must win for them this weekend up against the Stars um, so yeah that's, that's the game of round 10 that I'm most looking forward to but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit disappointed in how the tactics have kind of come through nine rounds in uh, oh, you, you mentioned we're gutted before um, I was gutted for the steal 44-43 in front of their home fans, it could have been a really uh, a really good day to celebrate for them, but not to be just this time. Oh, it would have been amazing. I can't get over how um, faithful and loyal. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised, really. The Yimbacargo crowd has been, you know, Stadium Southland, the fortress it is, almost full for that game against the Pulse. They were so loud and willing them to the very end. And then just the, like, deathly silence as soon as that final possession was turned over and it went down to the Pulse end and they scored to win it. I, you know, the, the fortress was silent. It was a really weird experience to kind of watch. And I think collectively across the country, even if you're a Pulse fan, you probably felt just a little bit gutted for the steal. Um, I really feel like that might have been their chance uh, to get so close within a, a top of the table side to get their win. But I also get the feeling whenever I watch them and whenever they're in that situation, I just, no part of me feels like they're capable of of finishing it off. And I know that sounds really harsh, but we've just seen these critical moments all throughout the season from the steel that they're not able to execute. And it's not because they don't have talented players and, and we've seen moments of brilliance from them, but they're just missing that 
leadership, that experience with winning. Um, and yeah, look, they'll, they'll take a lot of good lessons from, from this season. And if they can keep their main course the next year and get the likes of George Fisher and Shannon Saunders back, then you know the bones are there and they'll be okay. Because the Pulse are a damn good side and they only lost by one. Uh, but in terms of actually being able to execute a win, I just can't see it happening. And I've, yeah, yeah, I've got to tell them too, really. Yeah, I, I was because um, it, it's, it's it's a tough story to 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 uh, get through at the moment from their point of view, which makes uh, their visit to Trust Arena um, tomorrow night at seven fifteen against the Mystics a really tough hill. Yep, that's definitely going to be a tough one. I think, especially because um, defensively the Steel are kind of leaking a lot of goals. Um, they just don't quite have the height down there. Yes, they get some incredible intercepts and Kate Burley in that goalkeeper position has been so fun to watch and, and she never gives up but unfortunately she's giving away I don't know what it is, maybe 15 centimetres on Grace Wiki, the, the Mystics goal shoot and we've seen throughout the season Peter Toyava has just not been afraid to let the ball go into Grace and that connection's getting better and better every week and I think they'll be targeting this game to have a little bit of fun, let the ball go they know they're up against a shorter defensive unit um, and probably not a very physical defensive unit. So, yeah, if, if everything's on song for the Mystics, so if Patrick is back in that defensive end as well, her and Phoenix Karaka just put up a formidable showing in the time that they were together on court against the Tactics. I unfortunately can see that game really blowing out um, against the Steel, unfortunately. They've got the Magic yeah, on I Monday, can. though, a double header yeah. for them. I'd, you'd have to target that game, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to bring up the double header from the Magic, with the first of which uh, is against the the Pulse. Uh, that's a Globox Arena, um, <clears throat> Hamilton, at uh, Sunday afternoon at two o'clock, actually, or just after two. Uh, how do you see this one? Yeah, look, I think this will be a good match. Um, I think the Pulse have shown that they are vulnerable. Um, I don't think they've been awfully consistent throughout the season and there's areas of court um, that they could target. I think sometimes in that shooting end, um, Amelia Walmsley has been incredible. And my God, she's so young and so tall and she's shooting very accurately. But there's been moments throughout the season where I think physicality has got the best of her. Uh, You could probably see some cracks there and make her crumble just a little bit. Um, and Edna McKay, Magic Defender, she's not afraid to get stuck in. So I think that'll be a really great matchup for the for the two sides. Uh, I think I'm correct in saying the Magic mathematically have a chance of still making the finals. I think it's tough, and they need some other results to go their way as well. But you know, the Magic are a proud proud franchise and, and region, um, so they will be hanging on to any little bits of hope they can. So I'm expecting them to really come out firing for that match, um, and, and it'll be a good one. OK, um, put it on you right here and now. Most improved player of the year this year. Have you got one? Most improved player? Oh, my gosh, that is hard. Um, look, I have been really impressed with Phoenix Karaka, and I know that might sound weird because she's an established, experienced player, but I think given uh, who she's had to work with this year, she's had her partner in crime, Sue Fitzpatrick, in and out. She's been trying to raise Kara Stice, um, another young one for the Mystics, and build that combination there. And I feel like every match I watch Phoenix, she's just getting better and better and better. And her you know, athleticism is something we've talked about for years with Phoenix. 
and obviously took some time off to have um, her lovely daughter, Palmer, and I feel like it's taken her a while to get back to that physical and athletic form that she used to have, and this season we're really, really seeing it. Um, and, yeah, she's kind of the first person that comes to mind for me, just been really impressed with, with the way she's played week in and week out. In a season where not a lot of players have been can put their hands up and say they've been really consistent this year, um, I think she can say that. Storm, we're uh, into May now, and of course um, July uh, beckons, and it will come around very, very quickly. Dame Nolene and her squad, um, where do you think she's at with that in terms of finalising it in her head? Oh, I don't know, to be honest. I'd say knowing Knowles that um, it will come down to the grand final. Um, I know that's been the case for her in the past, especially with the depth we have in the country in the moment, particularly around the midcourt and uh, shooting end. I'd say the defenders kind of pick themselves at the moment. And if you're talking about consistency of performance, I feel like the defensive end is really the only unit that um, Knowles will be pleased with. Um, but there will be some headaches for her in that midcourt and in, in, in that shooting end. And she's going to have to keep looking at, at combinations and who steps up in these critical moments. And, yeah, there's definitely at least, in my thinking, at least three spots still up for grabs in, in the squad of 12 heading over. Wow, OK. Interesting, as many as that. Right, um, the other thing yeah. that uh, we've talked about uh, previously is the physicality that's been in netball quite um, apparent uh, in the ANZ Premiership, it's been uh, one of the talking points. Uh, but what about when, I mean, this is, we're talking about domestic umpiring here. What about when we get to the international stage? Will we see a change? Um, oh, gosh. I, it's really tough because umpires, just like players and, and different countries and teams, have their own style of how they execute what they're doing. And we always find when it comes to international, the international season that it takes the Ferns, it takes the Australian Diamonds, it takes anyone a while to adjust to the style of umpiring they're going to get. Um, and with uh, the way it works, you cannot have, you need um, neutral umpires, so you're never going to get a New Zealand umpire umpiring a Silver Ferns game. Uh, so we know, you know, uh, countries like Australia and England are very physical and if they've been getting away with a certain style of defence in their respective competitions, then they're going to probably find they're going to need to adjust when they come up against um, some of these other countries with, with the neutral umpires. So it's going to be a really interesting one to see, Smithy, and there has been a lot of chat and discourse around protecting players at the moment. I know Dame Knowles is um, part of a kind of working group that are trying to figure out what they can do to kind of help protect particularly shooters uh, really in, in the sport. And I think they are working with umpires across the world um, and they get together for this forum once every four years, I think it is, around World Cup time where they discuss these sort of different issues in the game. And I know one very high on the list is protecting the, the head and the collisions that we're seeing in netball at the moment. So uh, the World Cup will be really interesting to see how, um, I guess, whistle-happy umpires can be, whether we see more warnings, more um, pulling of players off the court, because we don't see that a lot here in New Zealand. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how, how the games are ruled and, um, yeah, whether, how players adjust, because it's going to be different. Okay, uh, the other thing of, of interest to me is with all the options available to uh, to young girls, 
uh, these days. Uh, are the numbers playing netball? Um, are you hearing or seeing? I mean, you travel around, you, you see the demographics of the crowds, etc. Uh, are the young girls in that still finding that netball is perhaps number one, or is the likes of uh, touch rugby, rugby, basketball um, uh, are taking over a wee bit in your sport as well? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident in saying that netball is still the highest participated sport across secondary school level or, or school level, or school level. Sorry, I'm sure I saw those numbers just recently. Obviously, volleyball is rising. I think that took out the number four spot. Um, and you know, with with the incredible um, coverage like the Black Ferns and, and our Sevens girls have been getting, obviously NRLW is a huge one now. We're seeing a few. Uh, rugby players play club league here in Auckland, which is awesome to see. Um, and I, I think it's great that women's sport in general is, is getting these, um, I guess, eyes, this attention. But of course, I am biased and very passionate about netball. And I think netball needs to figure out how to keep its point of difference, how to attract, still attract girls and, and women to play it and, and support the sport. Numbers across the country, look, some, some crowds are amazing, some crowds are not and I think it's the same with super rugby right it's, it comes down to the timing you know a 7.35 game on a Monday night you're not going to get a whole lot of uh, young school kids who love netball along the Sunday afternoon games they're fantastic so there's no kind of right answer right in terms of who you're trying to please um, with all the stakeholders involved uh, but I'd like to think, you know, in terms of social media, I, I get messages all the time sort of responding to my commentary and, and podcasts we put out there, so that's great to see. Um, and, yeah, I'd like to think it's doing okay, but a little bit of healthy competition is, is not the end of the world. No, it's not. If, uh, can I put your CGW hat on, crowd goes wild hat on, what's been your favourite mm-hmm. your favorite uh, story you've covered so far this calendar year? Oh, that's a very tough one. Put me on the spot there. Um, do you know what I was pleasantly surprised with was getting to interview LeVar Ball, um, the father of, obviously, Lamello, uh, Leangelo and Lonzo Ball. Um, I was kind of throwing that last minute. Went out to Trust Arena to talk to him about what he's doing here. Um, I even got to talk to him about netball, and, and he had some insights about how he wished uh, he made all his sons play netball so that they you know, would learn to pass the ball around, shoot without a backboard and... Uh, we had a really cool conversation and, and, yeah, I just really enjoyed the energy he was giving. Um, and he was one of those people that kind of made you feel super important no matter who you were. So for the year so far, I mean, we're only in May. Um, that mm-hmm. was a very cool story. Uh, but, of course, I am biased to all my netball players that I get to interview. I have to admit that they are the best talent. They give me the most. Um, <laughs> and they've all got great personalities. So trying to get as much netball sh- uh, on the show as possible, really. And just and and if I gave you enough budget, if I was uh, a sky boss and I gave you enough budget and said, Storm, pick a subject, pick a subject, fly anywhere and pick a subject, um, who would you go? Where would you go to and who would you get? Oh, gosh. Um, again, putting me on the spot, but I am about to kind of tune into the first uh, Diamond League, the Doha Diamond League of the year, obviously following Zoe Hobbs. But also just some of those female Jamaican sprinters. Um, I would love to just get to know them, understand a little bit more about their training background, um, how they sort of approach their training and the sport, because I think Jamaican personalities are just fascinating. I played with Janelle Fowler-Reed for a long time down at the Steel, Mm. 
And, you know, they've obviously got a wee dynasty going at the moment, um, those sprinters, and I think that would be pretty bloody cool. Follow them around the, the Diamond League for for an athletic season. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably think of something else later, but that's the first thing that came to my head. <laughs> no, it's great, actually. It was uh, out of left field, my question, and that's a good left field answer. And <clears throat> I don't know how they keep making those uh, sprinters. I really do not know how they keep making them. Uh, they are unbelievable. Oh, they they are. Yeah. They're staggeringly so. And it was so sad to see the passing of one of them uh, yesterday, one of the American ones, which was very, very sad. But anyway, uh, Storm, right, uh, always great to catch up with you uh, on the netball. The CGW stuff was just a, a little bonus I added on. Have you, you have a great weekend, uh, wherever, whatever and wherever you are. Thank you. Awesome. I appreciate the time, Smitty. Thank you.